If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of John chapter 15 is where we're going to spend the vast majority of our time together today. John chapter 15. Those of you that are joining us online, we're so grateful for you being a part of this community, whether you're watching live or this is delayed. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your life. We recognize there's reasons and seasons to be online, and uh, we're really grateful that you are part of this community, even when you can't be here uh, in person. John chapter 15 is where we're going to go, and uh, we this will be our, our second to last of uh, our, our messages on the ingredients series. This will be our last one together in person. Next week, you'll get the final ingredient online only. Uh, but ingredients is, is the name of the series because we're looking at the ingredients that ought to be evident in the life of followers of Jesus. And this is not, again, a formula. It's not you, you finish this step, uh, you master it, and then you move on to the next one. And then once you master that and you elevate yourself spiritually to different levels, it's not that. It is ingredients that for the rest of our days ought to be evident in the life of a follower of Jesus. And in some seasons, one ingredient may seem more prominent than another ingredient or more prominent than other times in life. But these ingredients ought to be evident uh, in the life of a follower of Jesus. And these ingredients continually play off of each other and, and work together. And uh, again, we could comb through scripture and find uh, endless applications to being a follower of Jesus, what it looks like in our life. But we are taking these seven uh, general ingredients and looking at how they apply to our lives and are they evident in our lives. Uh, we're going to do a very quick review of the first five ingredients. Starting all the way back at Easter, we had our first ingredients. And this is where you get to shout out that you know it. What's ingredient number one? was receive. That you cannot be a follower of Jesus if you have not received his free gift of salvation, receiving his forgiveness, that he has wiped away the penalty that our sin owes, that we don't get to pay it back, that he forgives it. And you cannot be a follower of Jesus without receiving his grace. Ingredient number two was repent. That an ingredient of following Jesus is that you are turning away from sin and turning towards a life of holiness. That repentance is not, not apologizing, although those are great elements of, of, of what it means when you confront your sin. But what it means to repent, it, it is signing up to be faithful to the fight of turning away from sin and turning towards God. That it is making changes for the better. So we had receive and repent. And number three was remove. Remove is, uh, oftentimes we have like seasons of success, but because that same temptation, that same lifestyle, those same relationships, those same environments are not removed from our life, that we find ourselves going back in moments of weakness. So what's it look like for us to not just repent, but to, to do away with, to remove the dross from the silver, as we read in the Proverbs, so that out comes the material for the silversmith. What does it mean to burn the plows, to, to not have the ability to go back, not reserving a plan B? Our goal is not like seasonal success over sin, and then just ending right back where we used to be. But how do we remove? So we had receive, repent, remove. And then number four was rebuild. rebuild. How do we intentionally fill the gap of what was removed? The time, the space, the energy, the relationships, the finances. If we remove, there is now a gap. How do we intentionally fill the gap? It's really important, and there's a lot of practicals of what you could fill that with that is healthy, that is helpful. But more than anything, we, we looked at the scriptures as to take off the old self and then clothe yourself with the presence of God. That what is primary is that we are engaging with the presence of Jesus consistently, that we are spending time and energy, resources, and what it means to grow in our spiritual life, to be a closer in our relationship with the Lord, be in his presence, and then everything else, the practicals begin to follow. So we had receive, repent, remove, rebuild, and last week, ingredient number five was reproduce. reproduce. 
that so this is where we turn from just internal engagement to, to what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in impacting other people. That uh, we were called to be followers of Jesus, and once we follow him, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That we are saved and we are sent. And probably the primary point that we communicated last week is that reproduction is a byproduct of intimacy. That in order to reproduce, to share our faith, to see uh, ourselves become spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith, doesn't come from just having great strategy and great communication skills. It comes, it's birthed, it's rooted in having intimacy with Jesus. That when we are intimate with Jesus, that uh, reproduction is a byproduct. Now today we're going to jump into ingredient number six, and uh, we're going to find it here in John 15. We're going to read these 11 verses that we're going to study today, and, uh, and then we're going to go back and we're We'll walk through them a little bit slower and uh, make some observations from them. But let's read them all together here at first. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. We'll have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, Jesus is speaking. If you have your Bible, if you've got a red letter Bible, these are red. Jesus is talking. So these are the words of Jesus. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Uh, any guesses on what ingredient number six just might be? Remain, yes. Ingredient six, if you're taking notes, is remain. He says it 10 times in these 11 verses, the word remain. Like, come to me. And then what he says over and over and over is don't just come to me, remain in me. Remain in me, remain in me. Remain, um, familiar word, but what, by definition is to continue in the same state. Like you get to a state, you get to a spot, you get to a position, and then you maintain it, you continue it. Looking at this root word, it's actually a, a similar word uh, to, to marinate. Marinate is where you're just, you're soaking it in, you're just sitting there, and, 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 and uh, I, I, love, I love sushi, and I've got this like strategy. At the very last bite of sushi, like I save my favorite roll, my favorite piece, and I'll put it in the, the wasabi and soy mix, because that's like, that's important if you're, if you're eating sushi, like the right mix of wasabi and soy, and I'll just like sit it there and let it sit for like too long. Just let it soak up all the flavor, like this last bite, best bite. You know, that's how, it's my motto with eating, last bite, best bite. And, uh, and let it like, and you just let it sit there. And it, it, while it's sitting there, it's, it's soaking it up. It's, it's, it's gaining. And then it's just the most beautiful bite. Uh, remaining is not, um, 
It's not coasting. Remaining is not like cashing it in and being lazy. Remaining is you have found the spot of most production, of, of healthiest connection, and then you don't move. You stay in that flow. You stay in that system. And while you're there, you're soaking it up. You're, you're engaging in all that God has for you. The call is to come to me, and then it's remain in me. Jesus never says, come to me for a season. Let's enjoy a short-term relationship, have some fun together, and then call it off. Jesus's call is, yes, come to me. And now his call is, remain in me. The, the goal of, of relationship with Jesus and a passion that we have burning in this church. Now we're about a year and a half old and those of you who've been with us are hearing this over and over and over and I hope that this is, is true not just for this season but for the rest of our time is that our goal is not seasonal passion for Jesus. Our goal is not quick growth and, and stagnant slow death. Our goal is that we would be a community of people faithful to follow Jesus for the rest of our days. That we want to be a community of people that don't just have an exciting season where we were a part of, of a young church plant and wasn't that fun for a while and then we grow stagnant in our faith. Our goal is that at the end of our race, at the end of the journey, however long it is, and I hope it's so many years for all of you, but at the end of it, we were of those that remained faithful to follow Jesus. What good is it if we come together and there are seasons of excitement, seasons of passion for Jesus, and then it just slowly fades over the years and decades to come? Or when the challenges come, when we face trial and loss and tragedy, or our marriages go through a hard time, or we, we suffer with our children, and these seasons, these storms of life, if they rattle us and our faith ceases, what good was all of this? The goal is not seasonal following of Jesus, but we would be of those that that remain, that endure, that have a hope that is an anchor for our souls. That whatever storms may come, we are anchored to a hope that is outside of our ability. It is anchored in the only hope of Jesus that carries us through. We've talked about this before, but Hebrews 11 celebrates heroes of our faith. It's like the hall of fame of people of faith. And every one of these people that are celebrated, they had their sins, their faults, their flaws. It actually says that none of them got to see the full vision of what they intended to be or the faith that they had to see themselves become. But they're not celebrated because of their achievements or because of their life of purity. They are celebrated because they are those that not just live seasonally in faith, but it says each one of them died in faith. I'll tell you, this is our, this is our goal. They create a community that says whatever comes, we're in this for the long haul. We're not just coming to Jesus and, and enjoying this season of a, a church. We are people that are coming together to be faithful, to remain in Jesus, and one day die in this faith. In this story in John 15, Jesus gives us this, this metaphor of the vine and the branches and the fruit and the gardener. Let's be, as we dig back into it, let's clarify who's who in this. He says very clearly that Jesus is the vine. Whenever we talk about the vine, we're talking this is Jesus. He defines it himself. He says the branches are us. You and I, in this metaphor, we are branches. It says the gardener is the father. That, that, that is the role that is played here. And then there, the other element that we see in here is, is fruit. So we've got vine, branches, gardener, and fruit. I want to take a moment to identify fruit. I think fruit 
is easy to identify as our, our maturity, spiritual maturity, the way that we live out our faith. I think even as we talked about last week, fruit is often in reproducing, like what, what is happening outside of us? What, what is our, our life producing? I think we would be uh, amiss if we didn't look at Galatians chapter five, what tells us what the fruits of the spirit are. Like if we are living in step of the spirit, that the spirit produces these fruits. You can put Galatians up on the screen. It says, uh, it says that the fruits of the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. That if we have the Holy spirit inside of us this is fruit that will be evident it'll be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control i think we can say that as we look at what fruit is in this this story in this metaphor this is fruit that we can look to are we seeing these fruits in the lives of followers of jesus in our own lives verse one says i am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener then it says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they produce even more. I think there's some important truths for us to recognize. If we are followers of Jesus, Jesus gives us this call to remain. And if we remain, he says, I, I wanna be honest with you, what happens as you remain in me? That you are a branch and every branch that doesn't produce fruit gets cut off and every branch that does produce fruit gets pruned so that it will produce more fruit. Meaning this, every branch gets cut. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, every branch gets cut, but there's two kinds of cut. There's cutting off, which leads to death, and then there is pruning, which leads to even more fruitfulness than you are experiencing right now. Now, when it comes to, to pruning, when it comes to being convicted, when it comes to repenting, and when it comes to removing, which are other words that we could use for pruning, it's not comfortable to be pruned. It's not convenient to be pruned. It's easier just like, just let me stay this way. But I wanna let you know that a life of remaining in Jesus includes a pruning process. And pruning is not a one-time deal, it happens consistently. Pruning doesn't feel good, but the father, the gardener, he is only removing that which hinders greater fruitfulness. He's not cutting away anything that's, that's, uh, is, is gonna result in anything less than more fruitfulness in your life. Uh, I think what's important for us to recognize is that even if your life is bearing fruit, even if you are growing in the fruits of the Spirit, even if there is maturity inside of you, even if you, you see yourself growing in holiness, it doesn't mean that you're not someone who's going to be pruned. In fact, fruitfulness means that pruning is going to continue to happen in your life. But what we must understand is that pruning is not punishment. Pruning is preparation for greater fruitfulness. Then when there is conviction in your life, when you are following Jesus, yet you feel the sense of conviction, and that there is still repentance to be had and removing that needs to take place in your life. That this is not uh, always a form of punishment, not saying that God won't discipline sin because that can be a form of discomfort, but oftentimes when God is, is, is working in you and the Holy Spirit is convicting and pruning and calling you to greater levels of maturity, it's not a form of punishment, but a preparation for greater fruitfulness. What I love about this is if we don't resist the pruning, if when the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction in our lives and we embrace it, we say, yes, I'm gonna be obedient and I'm gonna allow this pruning to happen in my life. If we don't resist pruning, but we embrace pruning, this means that your greatest days of fruitfulness are still ahead of you. If you resist the pruning, our greatest days of fruitfulness are behind us. 
And I just hope it's not your desire that your greatest days of fruitfulness are behind you. I hope you believe and you long for the greatest days of fruitfulness, the greatest days of love and of joy is ahead of you, that patience and self-control and gentleness, that those greater fruitfulness is ahead of you, that the impact and the influence you can have on other people, those best days aren't behind you, they're in front of you. But if they're going to be in front of us, it's having a heart that says, God, I will allow the pruning to take place in my life. Verse three says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you, which is the beauty of the gospel, that we are saved and still being saved, that we are declared holy and we are growing in holiness, that we have the righteousness of Jesus and we're learning to live out that righteousness. He says the gospel is what makes you saved uh, and we are still growing in that salvation. But verse four references now, once you have come to Jesus, once you've come to him, verse four says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I wanna make this clear here. The maturity and fruitfulness is expected after salvation. It's like you, you come to me, and now as you remain in me, like fruitfulness is expected. Maturing is to be expected. That we don't come to Jesus and stay the same. That once you become a follower of Jesus, there is a maturing and a fruitfulness that is expected. But it is impossible for a branch to bear fruit by itself. That a branch, you and I, we cannot produce fruit, bear fruit by ourselves. Now, when we just continue to consider the idea of a branch, of a tree, of a vine that's producing fruit, um, a, a branch or a tree, it can, it can look alive for a while, even when it has been cut off from the ability to produce fruit. Uh, consider like a Christmas tree, for example. Like there is a season where it still looks good, it still looks alive, you continue to water it and it stays green, but a crazy thing happens after a couple of weeks, uh, all of a sudden all the, the, all the, the, the needles, I couldn't think, of, I was gonna say leaves, but they're not. I don't know, if you're decorating a leafed tree for Christmas, things are odd. The needles fall to the ground. And what looked like life, it cannot continue to produce life. It can hold on to the life it had from its previous connection for a while, but it is only walking down the road of, of decaying, of drying up, and towards death. I think this is a danger that is, can be difficult for believers in Jesus. That because we had a healthy connection to the vine, at some point, it produced life inside of us. Fruit was being produced inside of us. And even though maybe that connection and that relationship with the Lord isn't as, as strong as it, it, it once was, that it can feel like I'm still alive. I can still look alive. I can still have some, some semblance of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and not recognize that because if my current connection to Jesus doesn't exist, I may still look, have some, some life in me from previous connection, but I'm not able to continue to produce fruit. I can sustain on that fruit for a while, but I cannot produce new life. This is another challenge, is that um, fruitfulness can be evident for a season, but today's fruit is not from today's seed, good or bad. The fruit of your life today is evidence of previous seed. Now this can be challenging at times because we so often put together today's fruit with today's seed. Well, I am making good decisions. I'm trying to invest in my relationship with God. And, and because I'm doing these good things, why do I seem to have bad fruit? Well, maybe today's bad fruit isn't because of today's seed. It's because of last season's seed. And what the danger on the other side of it is, is, well, I have good fruit today. There's peace in my life. There's joy in my life. Things are going really well. And when fruit is 
good, we can run the risk of not planting good seed for next season's harvest. And then we find ourselves like fruit begins to dry up. We're like, well, what happened? Like, I think things were good. And this is what we so often see in the church, is people will come and like be, things are rough, things are tough, I need to get back in relationship with God, I, I need to be in church, uh, things are tough in life. So they run back to the presence of God, and, and they start planting good seed, and they start investing in their relationship, and things get better. Fruit seems to be there. There is a joy that wasn't there before. They find peace and healing, and, and things are going well, and so the relationship with Jesus begins to be distant because it's not as desperate in the moment. And then before you know it, it's back to the season of like, man, things are rough again. And so we run back to the presence of God. And it's this cycle of, of hoping that today's, today's seed uh, will continue to produce the fruit that I'm experiencing today, even if the seed that I'm investing is not seed that produces fruit in the future. What we must understand is that even when fruit is good, and especially when fruit is good, we keep planting good seed. Because tomorrow's fruit is evidence of today's seed. And just because things are good in this season, it's not time to quit investing and, and, and planting seed and growing in relationship with Jesus because tomorrow's fruit is on today's seed. I think that um, we so often just feel like the fruit of today um, means that there'll be fruit in the next season. If we want fruit in the next season, we continue to invest in what it means to bear fruit today. Jumping into verse five, it says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, two options, bear much fruit or accomplish nothing. And the difference isn't effort, gifting, education. It's Jesus being the source. That when Jesus is the source, fruit is produced. I wanna tell you this, that your greatest fruitfulness is unlocked not when you work harder, but when you have a, a connection with Jesus, when you're plugged in and relationship with Jesus is flowing, this is where the greatest fruitfulness happens. What, what we see in this, and which is true with, with all plants and trees, is that the branch is not the hero of the fruit. The branch is, is what can hold the fruit, but it is the vine that is the hero of fruit being produced. I wanna tell you, um, in your life, in my life, the hero of a fruitful life is, is not the branch. It's, it's the source of life that it's connected to. That in our life, if you are producing fruit, the hero is not your work, your effort, your striving, your discipline. It's that you are connected to the source of life that produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I just wanna say, when you look at somebody else's life and you see fruitfulness in them, the hero is not that that person is just so much better and had such an easier hand dealt to them. The hero is the source that they're connected to that Jesus is the only way to produce fruit. And so if we wanna celebrate fruitfulness in your life, or you wanna celebrate fruitfulness in somebody else's life, we gotta go back to without a relationship with Jesus, it is impossible to bear fruit. Therefore, the hero is the relationship with Jesus, not the individual branch itself. I think this can be difficult though for us to, to keep the right focus on fruitfulness because nobody admires the connection to the vine everyone admires the fruit. I mean, you never walk up to a tree that's producing fruit and just go look at where that branch connects to, to the trunk of the tree or, or the, to, to the vine and be like, my goodness, you guys come look at this connection. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. Isn't this great? Like, it's, it's grown. It's like, I can't imagine all the resources that are being fed through this connection. Like, nobody goes and looks at that connecting point. Everyone looks at the fruit and wants the fruit and look how beautiful this fruit is and look how big the fruit is on this tree and look how much it's producing over here. Like fruit gets all the attention. 
But fruit does not happen if there isn't a healthy connection to the vine. And in our lives and in each other's lives, it's so easy to get caught up in the fruit, to compare fruit, or to just try to show off the fruit that we're producing. I wanna say that it is so easy to get caught up in the fruit when no one is celebrating the connection, but it is the connection that produces the fruit. So here's the challenge in your own life. What's it look like to stop gazing in this direction, looking at the fruit and trying to produce fruit and evaluate your fruit and produce your fruit? What does it look like to stop looking at the fruit and to turn around and to fix your eyes on the vine? To say, you know what? All my passion is not gonna go to see how much fruit I can produce and how it compares to other people or if it's better than last year. Actually, all my attention is gonna go, I just need to have this connection to the vine. And it doesn't get as much attention, but I love that God sees what is done in secret and rewards it. Like this is the message of Jesus. It's the secret place of pursuing Jesus, of integrity when nobody is watching, of saying, I'm gonna live for holiness. I'm gonna turn away from sin. Like no one sees that I'm waking up 15 minutes earlier to spend a few minutes with Jesus before I go about my day. Day. It's this secret connection with Jesus that begins producing the fruit. But we can get so caught up in the fruit that we're missing out on how we actually produce it is not trying to produce fruit. It's having a connection to the vine. And it's not celebrated. People aren't looking and, and seeing the beautiful moments that are what actually produce the fruit. But you know what's amazing about a, a, a tree, about a branch is a branch that's producing fruit. Never have you or I ever witnessed a tree working so hard to produce fruit that it like begins to sweat. Or like we've never heard a, a branch like grunting, like oh, I'm gonna produce a, an apple right now. And you just pop, there it is. Look what I just built. We've never seen a branch grunt and sweat and work to produce fruit. Every branch that we've ever seen with fruit on it, you know, if we watched it, what we saw, pretty much nothing. It was connected to the vine day after day after day and season after season and all of a sudden fruit begins to happen and what the branch did was remain connected to the vine. This is how fruit is produced. I think um, we can get so caught up in, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better. I'm going to have more self-discipline. I'm going to have more patience with my kids. I'm going to grow in these fruit. We're going to have these strategies of how we're going to reach people. And we get so caught up in working hard to produce fruit, which is not where fruitfulness comes from. Where the effort gets placed, where the priority gets placed is, is I'm not going to look at the fruit. I'm going to look and I'm going to be connected with Jesus. And what's amazing is when a branch is connected to the vine, what we can't see is what's happening on the inside. That nutrients are being exchanged and life is running through on the inside and it's secret and it's hidden, but it is what is producing fruit. What does it look like for us to just be so ingrained in our relationship with Jesus that we are saying, I'm, I'm gonna focus on my connection to the vine and let him produce something inside of me that maybe isn't even visible to me and isn't visible to the people around me and it might not be loud and it might not be noticeable, but something is happening as I'm relating to Jesus, and it's all that I'm looking at, and all the while behind me, fruit begins to happen. I don't know how I got more patience in this season of life. All I know is I was spending time with Jesus. I don't know where this self-discipline came from. I have fought that temptation for years of my life with no success, but all of a sudden I stopped trying to, to produce that fruit, and I just invested in Jesus, and all of a sudden my desires begin to change. Temptation begins to not have the stronghold it used to have because nutrients are being passed internally that is producing fruit behind me. I'll tell you that remaining in Jesus, it's not 
passive. It's not lazy. It is a focus of energy towards my connection with him and allowing him to do something on the inside that I cannot produce on my own. Remaining is a constant pursuit of Jesus. Verse six says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, this verse and verses similar to this create uh, some differences in theology of what people believe. Uh, some language that's used in, in this debate is uh, uh, once saved, always saved, or losing your salvation, or falling away, or some terms that if you've been in the church, maybe you've heard. Uh, and I'll just be clear on where I land. I, I believe that reading this text and other verses like this, that it says what it says that it's possible to have a relationship with Jesus, be connected to the vine, and then at some point uh, choose to, to not remain in him any longer, and that branch is cut off and it is gathered together and thrown into the fire. That this is very similar language to what Jesus uses in other, in, in other texts of saying, gather together and cast into the lake of fire. Very similar language that Jesus is saying it's possible to have been a branch connected, no longer remain in him, and then useless and gathered together and thrown into the fire. Uh, I also want to say that this, uh, this doesn't mean that um, you're constantly in and out based on behavior. Like if it was a good day, I'm in. If it was a bad day, I'm out. It's not about behavior. Behavior, behavior is never what got us connected to the vine in the first place. It was faith in receiving his grace. And that is, that is what causes us to be connected to the vine is, is it's belief, it's not behavior. So behavior doesn't constantly have you in and out. It's, it's, there's this, this stance of saying, no, I, I'm choosing to not remain in Jesus. I'm walking away from this. That, uh, that is kind of where I land. But I want to say, even if that's not where you land, if we read this text, at a minimum, we have to realize that what was once valuable and life-giving becomes ineffective and useless. That at a minimum, that's the potential of not staying connected to the vine. No longer how long you were in relationship, no longer how much fruit was produced in your past, if you don't consistently remain, even after decades of following Jesus, after you've read the scripture and you know it all and you've been to church and you've served on these teams, even, even then, if you don't continually remain and die in faith, at a minimum, what once was life-giving and producing fruit becomes useless. It's like this is, this is a potential for someone who has remained but chooses to no longer remain. Verse 7 says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Which sounds really nice, but I'd like to clarify that I think what you ask for changes at this point. Like when you remain in Jesus and you're getting his heart and his desires, his will becomes your will. I love it. Even Galatians 5, right before the fruits of the Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are contrary to what our flesh desires. Like as we are in relationship with Jesus, that desires and what we seek and what we ask for begins to change, that our desires and God's desires become the same. And then in verse 8, it says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to, the, to my Father. What brings God glory is fruit. What brings God glory is faithfulness, is remaining. It's not knowledge, it's not attendance. It, it's like what brings God glory is when you remain and you continue to stay fruitful and you continue to stay faithful. Fruit is evidence of a true disciple. 
Meaning if I'm not growing in the fruits of the Spirit, something is amiss. If I'm not growing more in the character of Jesus than I was in years past, something's off. And not just, this is probably most fair to say in seasons, not just in moments. Um, but if I'm not over the course of time, if my trajectory is not towards more love and towards more peace and to more patience and gentleness and faithfulness and, and self-control, like if I'm not moving in that direction, like this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And if I believe the Spirit produces it, if I'm connected to the vine, it will be evident. There will be pruning that produces more and more of this fruit in the future. That this is what he does. He produces this kind of fruit. And verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. I love the connection between obedience and his love. They're not separate from each other, but his commandments are in his love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Obedience is a sign of remaining. Like when he is calling, when he is building, when he is directing, and we honor, when we obey, when we follow through, this is what it looks like to remain. I love that Jesus says, I, I love you as much as the Father loves me, and I want you to remain in that love. And my commandments are not separate from that. My commandments are what keep you in that love, what keep you in this relationship. He's not saying like, stay in, in my commands because I just want to, I want to direct you around. I want you just to do what I want you to do. He's like, no, I want you to live in this love. And these commandments are the way to direct you into the sweet spot of you being loved the way that the Father loves me. And he finishes with this statement in 11. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That Jesus' call for us to remain in him and to obey and to allow him to prune and grow and mature us, it's because he wants our joy to be full. He wants joy to overflow. When I consider like a life of overflowing joy, who wouldn't want this? I mean, in fact, this is what we're after. This is what humanity is longing for. What can bring me the most pleasure? What can bring me the most joy? And God's like, yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I just have a different avenue to get there. Like I know how to get your soul to a place of overflowing joy. And the place of overflowing joy is when you remain in me and I will continue to direct and the Holy Spirit will correct, course correct all the time, not to, to punish you and discipline you, but I'm gonna prune for the most fruitfulness. And so at the end of the day, it is the most joy that is possible for your life. Jesus's command for obedience and remaining in him is not one of a possessive, egotistical God. His command for us to remain in him is because his desire is the most joy-filled life possible. And if this is true, when we experience the results of remaining in Jesus, we won't want anything else. Like it's not gonna be this dry, dull, boring, religious, stick-in-the-mud life. Like if this is true, if the character of Jesus and what he wants to do in, the, in my life, when these ingredients are evident in my life, the end result is like, this is everything my soul has ever longed for, has ever wanted, and joy begins to be complete. I'm gonna ask the band if they'll join me. Um, we live in beautiful Western Montana and we got all these mountains and rivers around us. And uh, 
I'm believing that the sunshine is going to come and it's going to stay for longer than four hours. We've had a couple glimpses of it. But we're like, we're tiptoeing into just the most amazing season. The rivers are going to be flowing and, uh, and we get to go float the river. I just, it's just the best. People who don't get experience Montana summers, I'm like, we endure the rest of it for this. Like, come on. <laughs> but floating season is coming. Like, it's, it's knocking at the door. I'm so excited for it. And uh, floating the rivers is just the best. Whether you're on tubes or you're rafting or kayaking or paddleboarding, like, the days are coming. And what I love about uh, floating the river is uh, there's certain, you know, you, you figure out the course that you're going to get on, where you're going to get in the water, where you want to get out. But when you go float the river, whatever, whatever it is that you're riding on, tube, raft, kayak, paddleboard, anything else, then what you do to go a great distance is you get in the river, and then it's not all about like how much work do you have to put forth in order to get to the destination. In fact, when you're floating the river, what, we, what your work is, is you're just making sure you stay in the deep. You know, the only problem is if you get caught in the shallows, then you got some work to do. Isn't that the worst when like you're in the tube and you don't realize you're getting in the shallows and you just, tailbone gets hit? Like it's just, oh man, just, it's the worst. But in order to continue down the river, the job is to recognize that you are drifting towards the shallows and just paddle yourself back to the depths. And when you're in the depths, when you're in the flow of the river, it just continues to take you and you, you're progressing towards the destination. You're going down river, not because of all of your effort, but because you find yourself in this, this spot and you remain. That the problem is when you don't remain in the flow, you don't remain in the depths, this is where problems begin to happen. What I tell you is we are followers of Jesus and there is growth, and there is maturity, and there is destination, and there is impact, and there is influence, and there is purpose, and there is eternity that we are going towards. That his call to remain isn't to get in that river and just fight and battle upstream for the rest of your days, just give it all that you got. No, his call is to stay away from the shallows. And when you sense yourself drifting, our job, our work is to get back in connection with the vine. We get back to the depths. We get back to the spot where it, it is flowing and it is productive and it is fruitful, not because of how much energy we are exerting, but because we found ourselves in the spot of most health and most productivity. I want to tell you, it is relationship with Jesus. And what does it look like for us to say, my goal, my job, my purpose is to not just seasonally, occasionally find myself in the depths and then just when I, when I hit land again, well, oh, now I will fight back. What does it look like to spend our days every day evaluating and remaining in the depths? And if there's any deviation, we're not waiting till we, we hit shore and we're injured and we're hurt and we're way behind where we could be. We're just going to daily continually say, where is my relationship with Jesus? How is my connection to the vine? Stop trying to produce the fruit, but stay in the flow and let the Holy Spirit work and move in ways inside of me that I cannot do on my own. Our success in following Jesus is remaining connected to the vine. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me?
Maybe you're here today and uh, you are a believer in Jesus. I know that is a large portion of you. Would consider yourselves Christians. Would consider yourselves followers of Jesus. The clear call in this ingredient that should be evident for the rest of our days is to remain in Him. Not just for a season, but continually. And remaining is not passive. It's not just coasting and being lazy in your relationship, say, well, I believe, so I'm just going to sit here. No, it is pursuit. It is staying in the depths. It's growing in relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are believers, I think some of us need to wake up to the reality of a life that is not producing fruit. A life that is sustaining on yesterday's fruit. That there were seasons of fruitfulness in the past that is just convincing us that we're okay today. I think that some of us need to be awakened to the danger and deception that previous fruit is enough for today and it's enough for the future. A deception that, well, there was this season where I was so passionate and it was so real and authentic and, and that's just gonna carry me for the rest of my days. Actually, this week and this morning, I've been praying for our more experienced believers. I've been praying this week that there would be a revival in our hearts. And I know revival can have different connotations to the word, but revival in its essence is something that had a greater passion in the past that has diminished being breathed back to that former passion. Like repassionate of the ways that it used to be. I just have a sense that there's some followers of Jesus who can look back and remember a day of greater passion than today. A greater pursuit than there is today. A greater fruitfulness because of a greater connection to the vine than there is today. And my prayer is that there would just be a stirring inside of us, a revival of like, I, I'm not going to just be satisfied that there was a season of fruitfulness in the past, but a passion that the greatest days of fruitfulness are ahead of me. And it's going to cause us to pursue a greater connection to the vine. But I think this means we embrace the pruning. We embrace that if there's going to be greater fruitfulness, there is a work to be done, a cutting, a removing, a rebuilding. These ingredients all need to begin taking place in our lives. To the unbeliever who's here today, maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe today is not just the remain in me call, but the come to me call. Jesus says, come to me. And then once you come, he's like, I, and I want you to remain here. I want you to remain in my love. But maybe today is a day where you just get in the river. It's your first time to, to start becoming a follower of Jesus. And there's so many questions and, and lots to learn. I want to tell you the beauty of following Jesus. The gospel is the, not that you have to work and to prove, that, but that you get in the river and you remain. And as you're in the river, as you're in relationship with Jesus, he's going to continually do a work and progress is going to happen and the purpose is going to be given and hope is going to be given. And, and there's going to be movement, but not because you, you figured it out on your own, but because you just got in relationship to Jesus and he begins to do something on the inside. Lord, I just pray for our church right now. As we have these last few moments together in this gathering, God, that's uh, you would do a work right now in hearts. I believe that you, through scripture, you've already been stirring hearts. And Lord, I just ask that right now, there is a, a personal conversation, conviction moment with you. Lord, I pray that 
some believers in here today who need to be revived, that you would just breathe, fan into flame that passion once again. Get those that have been drifting into the shallows, that today would be a day of just moving back into the depths. I pray for those today that um, sense your grace and your hope and your forgiveness for their lives today. God, I pray that today would be a day where they get in the river, they begin this relationship with you, that you begin doing a work inside of them and a, a producing a fruit that they cannot do on their own. Lord, I pray that we would be a community of people marked by faithfulness. Yeah, that we would not look back in 30 years and have seen seasonal pursuits of you, but we would see faithfulness to remain. Lord, I pray that we would not be of those that resist the pruning, but we would embrace it. God, that we would not be of those that the, our greatest days of fruitfulness would be in the past, but we'd be of those whose greatest days of fruitfulness are still ahead. Father, we love you and we ask that you just do a personal work in our hearts.